This is NBR's Live from the Hive, a compilation of the week's top stories straight out of the beehive. Do you have something to add? Head over to nbr.co.nz and join the discussion. Prime Minister Christopher Luxon has come in for some strong criticism over his performance at Waitangi. To talk about that, I'm joined by NBR's political editor, Brent Edwards. So, Brent, what are the main concerns with his Waitangi speech? Well, look, the speech he gave on Monday at Waitangi Marae, the, the main concern seemed to be, and certainly in the, in the news media coverage, was that he repeated um, either word for word or, or similar words, parts of the speech, to the speech he gave the previous year um, as opposition leader. Um, and, he, you know, I mean, which kind of seems a fairly pointless criticism in a sense that much of the stuff that they've been criticised for were references he made to the Treaty of Waitangi about when it was signed and what it meant. So you'd expect that that would uh, remain pretty consistent, which was a view he put himself. Why did he choose his words carefully? Well, I think he chose his words carefully and and, and because, you know, there was obviously a lot of controversy up at Waitangi Mm. this year in the context of the coalition government um, intending to bring a treaty principles bill to parliament, uh, which is you know part of the coalition agreement between ACT and the National Party, and the National Party has agreed to uh, take that, support it to a select committee, uh, but not beyond that. But that's obviously caused a lot of um, furore, particularly within Maoridom, and you know we've we've had a range of of meetings, the National Hui, um, Ratana, where it's been raised, and then of course again at Waitangi, and I, I guess the more direct criticisms that then came from Maori was that. In his speech, you know, Christopher Luxon never addressed that point directly at all, never talked about the treaty principle legislation. So, um, you know, he clearly wanted to um, give a very, very specific message that, that National remained committed to the treaty, but also there was a bit of a sense, I guess, of repeating some of the electioneering about what a a national-led government would do in terms of uh, lifting the boats for all people, mm. uh, not just Māori, but for non-Māori as well. So he didn't want to inflame the situation publicly, at least? Well, inflame it? or I mean, he just didn't seem to want to address it, and mm. I think that certainly seems to have perhaps um, frustrated those who were there and, and probably other Māori as well and, and, and others. Um, but subsequently it's interesting because with news media... Um, and uh, you know, on um, RNZ's morning report, he was very clear actually that no, the government or national would not support um, X bill beyond the select committee. And he was trying to say everyone knew that we'd said it, you know, which, mm. but he hadn't really. I mean, if he'd said that very clearly uh, on the Marae, that might have um, quietened perhaps some of the protest. Although people, I think, still don't like the fact that the bill is being introduced in the first place. Um, but again, probably he didn't want to give, if you like, that public put down of the bill on the Marae when mm. um, David Seymour, the ACT Party leader, was also there. And of course, in his speech, you know, David Seymour was drowned out by water. So, you know, um, because people obviously particularly um, react to him. But um, I think the Prime Minister, though, you know, has made it very clear subsequently, as I say, that the bill won't go any further. And he said the only reason they're supporting the bill was because it was a bottom line for ACT to have a referendum on, you know, the treaty principles. National wouldn't agree to the referendum as a compromise. 
they agreed that they would support this bill through to select committee. Do you think he said that on Morning Report because of that setting, that surrounding studio? Well, I mean, I, I don't know why. I mean, you, you question why didn't he make it much... He says he's made it clear before. And to be honest, from the comments he's made, you know, I've always read it as meaning that the National Party will not support that bill beyond mm. the select committee. But he's always left it a bit open uh, and, and slightly vague enough to, for, to allow David Seymour to say, well, it's still an open debate. Uh, but I think on Morning Report, very much clear. I mean, and whether it's been that they've looked at well, what happened on Monday, Tuesday, and seen that reaction, oh, now we've got to come out with a clear, strong statement. But uh, perhaps might have been more helpful for him and to the debate if he had made that comment much more strongly, actually, at Waitangi. Mm, so this is dragging out. There needs to be a bill introduced and then it goes to select committee? Yeah, so a bill has to be introduced mm. yet. It hasn't been written yet. It hasn't been drafted, as far as I'm aware. So it then has to be um, introduced to Parliament and then referred to select committee. So that will probably take up much of this year. So it's going to be a continuing irritant and sore for the government and because you know it will attract major opposition, um, particularly for Maoridom. But there are others... You know, ACT supporters who will also come out and strongly support it. So I think you know you're going to see a very very sharp debate and argument on that issue through much of this year, and it's going to be a bit more difficult for the government because you know Christopher Luxon says he's all about trying to build unity, but you know I think that's going to probably create a bit more division at least through this year. And what did you think of David Seymour's communication on this at Waitangi? Well, he's pretty clear. I mean, he's you know, ACT's got a very clear view, a very clear statement on it, that they, they want to see this legislation introduced. Um, he keeps on repeating that the, the treaty is not a partnership between races. He doesn't dispute that it might be a partnership between the Crown and Maori, and, but that he's very, very clear about the treaty ought to be providing the same rights for all New Zealanders. So he wants to see remove some differential where Maori have kind of get some... Uh, particular rights through the treaty, so which I guess is a concern to them because I guess you know when you think back, who it, whatever the debates around the treaty, it was a treaty that was signed between the Crown and Iwi, uh, you know, not between the Crown and non Maori. Brent Edwards, thank you. Like what you're hearing? Join the discussion with our member subscribers at our website nbr.co.nz. Beehive banter is back, although most of the banter this week was centred at Waitangi. Centred here at the Beehive was Brent Edwards and myself observing, taking notes, digesting. So, after some my lanta and no, not now or ever have I had any association with that company, just trying to avoid any social media backlash there, Brent, <laughs> we decided that Waitangi went pretty much as expected. A lot of anger, however the government turned up, Winston got booed, but he gave as much as he got. Expected words from the PM, and it turns out, however, of course, they were the same words he used last year. And wait for it. After the PM being asked about it a lot, he finally, after probable consultation with his press team, said, oh, we did it on purpose. It was deliberate to make a point on how seriously we take things. Does he really, really think anyone believes that? Look, there was actually nothing unremarkable about the words he used. I mean, because a lot there of... There was nothing remarkable about well, the speech. Yeah, but 
the, the reality is what he repeated were his views that he expressed really about the treaty last year, and you wouldn't have expected... It was verbatim. You wouldn't have expected them to have changed. It was actually a few lines. It was uh, not a few no, lines. No, it was actually. I think. I think no, it was more than look, a few lines. More important than what he said in that speech, I think, was what he did not say. Correct. Given the anger that was expressed on that day and the, and the comments that have been made leading up to it over the weeks around the Treaty Principles Bill. He could have made a very clear um, yes. statement on that bill and National's approach to it at the Marae, and he, ref- yes. he, he, did, he didn't. And I'm not quite sure why, because the next day he was very clear, or the day after, about the day after. exactly... Yeah, because he said... At, on his, po- his post-cab, in fact, he said it earlier in the morning uh, on a TV interview, his fact, party he, does not support going to a referendum and will not support the bill going beyond it, its first reading. And, it, you know... Now, can I please say, what was it, two weeks ago? Was it that long and ago? And a week ago. I said what? I have no idea. I said that was their position, that National was not going to support it. Yes, you and argued what I with, no. You argued with no, me. No, I didn't you argue with you. No, you did no, argue I with didn't. me. No. No, come on, give me this my is... moment. I was right. <laughs> I was right. No. What I said to you was that if that was the case, why doesn't he come out and absolutely categorically well, say he wouldn't do it, he which might... he refused to do because they went to interview Seymour after all of those statements and Seymour said, see, he's left the door open. Look, he was blunter this week, but it was clear from previous weeks But he wouldn't the case. say it. He, well, he, he got us close I'll tell you to why it, he said right. it this week. I'll tell you, so I was right. Good. I'll no, tell you I what, was right. No, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The heat got to him. And I don't mean the heat at Waitangi. I mean that something has happened where he's gone, enough, I'm not pandering, I'm going to start looking like a Prime Minister instead of the third spoke in a wheel. Look, I, th- I think what had happened is, you know, having obviously had the, the National Ahui, then Ratana, and then going to Waitangi, and I, I think it's got become pretty clear to him just how strongly uh, married him. Was it not clear before that? Well... You know, I mean, I think that, so he's, yeah, but he's gone and got that message directly. And so I think he's needed to thought, right, I've got to settle this clearly. Although the problem he still has is that there is still going to be a bill that comes to Parliament around the treaty principles. And I will sus- suspect that the ACT Party will probably drive it even stronger now. So it is still going to cause ructions for him. But as he said, um, it's basically it's the price of compromise to get a coalition agreement. It seems to be he's saying oh, that ACT yeah. was a bottom line. He had to agree with it to get them in the tent. Otherwise, as he said um, on Morning Report on RNZ, it would have been another election. Not sure if that's correct or not, but, you know, sometimes it's he's had to swallow a couple of dead rats to get a deal across the line, and he's, he's now dealing with the political blowback of that. And he's also been looking weak. Well... People say he's looking weak, and I get that, but, you know, he's right. We are in an MMP environment. The Prime Minister... Oh, I'm sorry. We've been in MMP environments for how many years? Yeah, and people... And the last Prime Minister didn't look weak. The last Prime Minister? We've had lots of Prime Ministers who have not looked this weak. 
Well, I, I don't think, mean this week. I, I mean this I week. I think there were plenty of people who said uh, who would said that Jacinda Ardern looked pretty weak in that first term of government, where she relied on New Zealand First <laughs> to you know put her in. I the think I might have been one of those people. So you know, <laughs> it's been said plenty of times before, and it'll be said plenty of times again in the future. People who just ignore the fact MMP sometimes prime ministers don't get their way on everything. Right. And we do live in a democracy. You know, the Prime Minister is just the Prime Minister. They're not the President. And well, even though then, if you look at the President of the United States, they can't do everything they want anyway. No. So they've got to have majority support in their Cabinet to do things that they want. And that becomes more <sighs> difficult when you rely on other parties. Yes, OK. But, you know, it, it then comes on, you know, and he says, right, it's definitely not happening now, mm. right? Right. To placate some of I the... I was right, yeah. To placate what has been going on and married him against the bill. Then what he does is <laughs> he then comes out and says, oh, by the way, the Maori Health Authority is going to be disestablished, uh, the uh, disestablishment to be tabled March the 8th, no going back. Mm. So he delivers with that and then he gives Murray more concern by doing that, followed up by this fight back on crime. No mm. cultural reports on people's backgrounds, with some commentators saying, again, this will affect Maori more than most. Why do this days after Waitangi well, when he's just done that announcement terrifying everything? The, well, because the Māori Health Authority was a separate issue to I the Treaty Bill. And but he gives get, with one and, and takes with but, the other. And getting rid of the Māori Health Authority was a National Party policy. No, I know. And it was part of the 100-day action plan. But to so, do all of this in the space of four days just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you know, I suppose he's he's going to stick to he's going to stick to the national party policy, and you know, and they and on the crime stuff, it's all part of largely looking like looking, it still look, sounds and looks look, anti-Maori. Well, yeah, but it looks you know he's trying to say oh, you look you look tough on crime. I mean, that's been that drove Nationals' campaign. Well, and so well, yeah. I mean, they're going to save seven million dollars. Uh, a year on what the PM calls this cottage industry and goodbye to a lower target in prison. But Labor, yeah, well, were, going do, Labor were going to do that anyway. Well, yeah, well, they've done it. They dropped the target. Yeah. In fact, they'd achieved the target, well, really, well, because... National didn't know. When I know. When Kelvin Davis was corrections minister, he made, you know he gave a speech at one point saying, well, when he came in, the um, forecast was that the prison population would get to 14,000. So he's got it down about nine thousand. So you've you've got your well, you've got your thirty percent plus reduction already. Yeah, but that's probably because of the cultural report. But no, look, it, it, the the post cabinet uh, presser was um, a little bit embarrassing because yes, they were making an announcement on something that hadn't been. And of course, they, the announcement that they'd scrapped a target, they didn't have to go and tell the minister or anyone else because <laughs> there was no no. And but you know it was. Partly trying to The minister to say, looked like what? <laughs> well, it's partly. Oh, look, look, we're busy. We're doing things. Well, actually, that was that didn't take a hell of a lot. No, that. quite right. Now, some uh, ministerial meetings in the last week. Uh, Peters and Collins to Australia, and Winston then going on along with his health minister to the Pacific. Closer ties militarily with Oz by the look of things. With Oz, in fact, coming here to talk pillar two of AUKUS. And Winston made no secret of wanting more presence in the Pacific, more money for Tonga, serious money in the midst of that country having to repay massive debt to China, let's not forget. And reassurances, I guess, is one of the reasons uh, with regard also AUKUS about Winston going to the Pacific. Yeah, look, I mean, when he was last um, Foreign Affairs Minister, Winston Peters made a big focus on the Pacific and quite a lot of stuff, so he'll, he'll promote that. Coming back to AUKUS and the Pillar 2 thing, which is 
not the nuclear subs. No. It was, it's non-nuclear stuff. You know, look, talking to people, it, it's still, I, I understand, a year off before you'll see, see any, anything of substance because the Australians, the British and the Americans don't quite know what Pillar 2 will look like anyway at the moment. So there'll be ongoing discussions, as there were with um, the previous Labor government. The previous mm. Defence Minister, Andrew Little, Little yeah. had expressed interest in Pillar 2. So it's, it's not... Nothing... Nothing really much has changed there. This government looks keener on it, but actually they still don't quite know what it means. No one really knows what it means. So there's a bit of water to go under the bridge before we'll see anything of substance to say, well, what does that mean? And if New Zealand does join, does it pull us into a tighter, almost alliance-type situation with powers that are nuclear, but somehow we fence ourselves off because we're only pillar two, we're not pillar one. Uh, and know. all this is really uh, in response to China uh, in, the, in the Pacific. And you sit there yeah. and go, well, is this why Winston's doing yeah, so much yeah. travelling? It's uh, the second trip in well, a few weeks. He, well, he's doing a lot. You know, I mean, they were critical of the former Foreign yep. Minister, Naya Mahuta, who, whose travel actually was kind of restricted a bit by COVID, but they argued that she didn't get out anywhere near enough. So... Mr Peters, he's going to be on the road a lot more, um, and we've well, seen that already. Well, what do the Pacific Islands want to see from us? Well, I guess... Or is it just a reassurance trip? Well, they, probably a reassurance trip. They probably want to see uh, more support. They were getting a lot of support, though, through, I think, the previous governments. And they just want, I suppose they just want to see that continued support, um, financial, um, and, and, and our interest in the region, but, but not as some sort of... Um, big brother where we tell them what to do. No. And I think that's always been the relationship I think that New Zealand's had with the Pacific perhaps, which has differed from Australia. I think Australia's been seen as a, a yep. bit of a bully in the region, or if, yep. you know, for want of a better word. We're seen perhaps more as a friend. Yeah, speaking of big brother not being told what to do, uh, Wayne Brown is you know, the mayor of Auckland. Of course, he doesn't like being told to do with Wellington. But uh, finally this week, uh, the, we heard from the Prime Minister, the Auckland Regional Fuel Tax ends on the 30th of June. He had to get some good news out, didn't he? Had to, to counter the bad news that's going on. Um, everyone's happy, uh, except, of course, the mayor, who say, well, uh, we're going to have a lot less money now. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, so they're going to put the rates up. <laughs> well... well you know, the question is, is, you know, without the money, how, how do they pay for the transport infrastructure? Well, that's need? congestion so, charges. Well, that, well that, yeah, that would be how interesting. Does that work? Yep. Well, that's right. But, that, but National had um, shown interest in that, so it'll be yep. interesting to see what work, what progress is made on that. But but that's, the I think, the, the Mayor's major concern, I think, is, well, where does the money come from to pay for the improvement and transport infrastructure that Auckland needs to reduce the congestion It's that a they big, face. giant circle, because someone's going to get you somewhere. It's just who you well, blame. You know, and of we, course we've, we've, I think we've talked about these sorts of things all the time, and no matter where you put it, in the end, you and I are going to pay. That's exactly right. Well, the house sitting again next week. More fire, more brimstone. Anything else next week? No, it'll be. It's, I suppose it's the house sitting proper, because we kind of had that That's first right. week, it was kind of bang, coming, and then they take a week off yep. for Waitangi week. Yep. So it's the start of a four-week session, um, and I guess, you know, the, the Prime Minister said, well, March the 8th, I think, is the deadline yep. for the 100 days, so they've got a, a range of other things they want stuff to, to do. they've got to get done by, by March 8th, <laughs> including introducing some legislation, um, I think, which he seemed to indicate the parliamentary... Council office was kind of struggling to, to draft and write, and so there's a bit there's a bit of work to do for the government to then tick off. Okay, we've done our hundred day plan. Interesting, he then says we get then going to do quarterly plans, so three month plans. It's sort of oh, that. It's getting but, exciting. I know, it's the look, but it's kind of business approach and tick tick <laughs> things off. But 
you then can make the mistake that you turn up to a press conference and say, hey, look what we've done, we've made a big decision, we're going to scrap this target. <laughs> oh, hold it, really, that target's gone. Is it, what does it mean? What advice did you get? Who did you tell? I mean, it's and like they you told were... one another. <laughs> well, it's VI banter. And the holidays are over, Waitangi is now over. Only the credit card bills left to arrive. And to help you get over that shock, we'll hopefully take your mind off it when we return next week. Thanks for taking the time. We do appreciate it. Like what you're hearing? Join the discussion with our member subscribers at our website, nbr.co.nz. Our coalition government uh, was elected on a clear mandate to get our country and Auckland back on track. The last six years of Labour have been tough for the city. Many promises have been made by the previous government, but their failure to actually deliver meaningful change has left Auckland worse off. Whilst the State of the City report includes some notable achievements in the space of work-life balance, economic sustainability and student appeal, it also contains some sobering reading, reading about the severe challenges facing our communities. Whether it's crime, health outcomes, traffic congestion and attracting innovation and investment, Auckland has been going backwards and needs to get back on track. Our plan for Auckland is focused on the issues which matter most to Aucklanders. We want to lower the cost of living, restore law and order, and focus investment on growing Auckland's economy to increase productivity, particularly through investments in transport. To deliver this, we need to work together with Auckland key stakeholders so that we can make the most of Auckland and for New Zealand. We know that when Auckland succeeds, New Zealand succeeds. And the task ahead of us is not, uh, is not small, it's monumental. Uh, but we're determined. Under the leadership of Christopher Luxon, our Prime Minister, our government has moved at pace with our 100-day plan. We're making great progress to deliver cost of living relief, return fiscal discipline and common sense back into the public service, and refocus government on addressing the issues that really matter to New Zealanders. Today I want to touch on those our three key issues, cost of living, crime uh, and transport. Firstly, cost of living. I want to touch on this issue because it is really the number one issue uh, facing uh, our city. Businesses, families, communities across our city. The coalition government is committed to delivering tax relief for New Zealanders. We're progressing work to deliver meaningful income tax reduction in this year's budget, relieving some of the financial pressure facing families and businesses by allowing them to keep more of what they earn. For Auckland, as you know, as you would have seen yesterday, the Prime Minister announced that we're axing the Auckland Regional Fuel Tax on the 30th of June this year. This is about reducing the cost of living uh, and also utilising the remaining funds for the priority projects uh, and, 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 and cancelling the projects which are of lower priority, such as uh, overinvestment and speed bumps uh, and cycling uh, and bus lanes which have been, that funding has been utilised for. Aucklanders have been paying an extra 11.5 cents per litre on fuel since the previous government introduced the tax in 2018, but many Aucklanders are asking what have they actually received for it. We've also acted to, to fight inflation by restoring the Reserve Bank's single focus on price stability, reducing the regulatory burden on businesses that can drive cost increases, and by restoring discipline to government spending. Finance Minister Nicola Willis delivered a mini-budget in December last year that set the foundations of how our government is drawing a line under six years of economic mismanagement and beginning to spend public money more carefully and with a clearer purpose. 
It set out immediate government decisions delivering $7.4 billion of operating savings and additional revenue over the forecast period, reductions to potential fiscal risks and work to drive future savings, revenue and reprioritisation. We know Kiwis are doing it tough as inflation and higher average tax rates erode household incomes and we're determined to bring inflation down and let people keep more of what they earn. On the wider economy, Auckland is home to 34% of our population but delivers 38% of our GDP. It is our most culturally and economically diverse city, playing a pivotal role in New Zealand's economic success. The State of the City report hi rightly highlights that Auckland needs to have strong outreach and visibility in international markets. Trade Minister Todd McClay has made important first steps in advancing key relationships with Singapore, our most significant trading partner in Southeast Asia, and critical hub for New Zealand supply chains as well as India, which is a strategic priority for the coalition government. New Zealand has also moved closer to ratifying the New Zealand-European Union Free Trade Agreement, with the first reading to bring this agreement into force taking place in Parliament last week. This free trade agreement will see an immediate $100 million in annual tariff savings upon entry into force, as well as an annual boost to GDP of up to $1.4 billion and an increase of exports to the EU by up to $1.8 billion. We are going to be an outwardly looking government, renewing relationships with our existing partners and friends, and building new relationships to help grow our economy. This is all critical to the growth and success of Auckland and to New Zealand. Secondly, the State of the City report particularly acknowledges safety as an area where Auckland is lagging and I'll acknowledge uh, Viv Beck for her advocacy uh, in this space, showing that crime is a concern that needs to be addressed. Sadly, under the previous government's soft on crime policies, we've seen a 33% increase in violent crime. All too often, we see it on the news, on our streets, uh, and in our communities. We've become numb to the statistics, and that has to change. Every New Zealander deserves to feel safe in their home, community, and workplace. And that starts with grappling the grip that gangs have on our city. In our first 100 days, my colleagues Mark Mitchell and Paul Goldsmith are making progress on dealing with gangs by introducing legislation to ban gang patches, stop gang members <laughs> gathering in public, and stop known gang offenders from communicating with one another. We will give police more powers to search gang members for firearms, make gang membership an aggravating factor at sentencing, and we've already abolished the previous government's prison reduction target. We'll begin to work to crack down on serious youth offending, strengthening policing in our communities and continue to back the frontline police. We're committed to giving our cops the tools and resources they need to get the job done. Addressing the long-term causes of crime is a big task, but our government is determined to put public safety back at the heart of the criminal justice system to restore confidence and safety into our communities. That means ensuring there are real consequences for crime and keeping serious, violent offenders from creating more victims. These changes will mean a safer and more prosperous Auckland uh, and give confidence to our communities and our businesses. Thirdly, transport, and I'll spend uh, a bit more time spending talking about transport, is pivotal uh, in unlocking Auckland's economic potential and enhancing the quality of life for its residents. The city's economic prosperity relies heavily on a robust transport network that facilitates the easy, efficient and safe movement of people and freight across the region. This system is the backbone of our urban environment, supporting 
daily activities and contributing significantly to Auckland's vibrancy and dynamism. However, recent findings have highlighted a cr this is a critical area of concern. Connectivity, as, a, as detailed in the State of the City report, ranks as one of the lowest scoring domains, underscoring a pressing need for improvement. Unfortunately, this comes as, a no, as, no, as no surprise. The previous government failed to start and complete one single major infrastructure project while in office. There was a lot of focus on projects like Auckland Light Rail, which did not deliver a single metre of track despite over $220 million spent on the project and didn't even complete a final business case, while little focus was actually made on the, pro on the projects that we actually need. Mill Road is a perfect example. This project has been started, rescoped, and cancelled in more ways than one can count. 2018 uh, funding plans were allocated so that Auckland Transport could progress parts of the Mill Road corridor. It was then announced to be part of the 2020 NZ upgrade program. It was then rescoped re in 2021 before eventually being cancelled and the funding diverted. This level of uncertainty for this project has meant that connectivity uh, into Auckland for people and freight particularly and, and resilience through South Auckland has been compromised while projects like Auckland Light Rail went nowhere which, and, uh, and didn't actually make any benefit. As the Minister for Transport I'm acutely aware of the importance of this issue. My focus is now on delivering the infrastructure that Auckland needs, allowing Aucklanders to get where they want to go quickly and safely. This commitment isn't, about improving, isn't just about improving travel times, it's about enriching the lives of Auckland's residents by improving our transport network to make it more accessible and reliable. While Labor talked big on transport, they delivered very little. The previous National Government had a track record in delivery, and we want to bring that back to the heart of government. National delivered the Waterview Tunnel. We delivered the, the, the uh, Victoria Park Tunnel. We electrified the Auckland uh, Rail Network. We started and we're going to finish the City Rail Link. We're proud of our, our track record of delivering both roading and public transport infrastructure that Auckland needs. Acknowledging the essential role of transport in Auckland's ongoing development, our government will prioritise the delivery of key infrastructure projects aimed at alleviating congestion, boosting productivity and building a transport network that is not only more reliable but also more resilient. These efforts aren't just not just investments in roads and rail, they're investments in Auckland's future, ensuring that our city can continue to grow and thrive sustainably and unlock land for housing. By focusing on these critical areas, we're laying the groundwork for a transport system that meets the needs of Aucklanders today, while also anticipating the demands of tomorrow. And to make this happen, I'm currently uh, writing a government policy statement, a draft government policy statement on transport, which we, you'll, you'll all be able to have your say on very soon, as part of our 100-day plan, uh, which we focused on building and maintaining New Zealand's transport network. This government policy statement is not just a document, it's a blueprint for refocusing the New Zealand Transport Agency and by extension Auckland Transport on the basics, building and maintaining the roading network to support economic growth, reliable public transport and delivering a safe network which makes efficient use of every single dollar spent. We're moving away from an, the previous government's untargeted approach to a targeted strategy that addresses the core needs of our transport network. The roads of national significance will be back on the agenda, underscoring our commitment to critical infrastructure that supports economic growth and regional development. Our directive, will be to, our directive to the transport agencies will be clear. 
We are reprioritising projects that deliver real value. We're prioritising projects that deliver real value to commuters and businesses alike, ensuring that our cities and regions are well connected and that our economy thrives. Our transport strategy encompasses a broad pipeline of work, focusing on both immediate improvements and long-term developments. Maintaining and fixing potholes are immediate priorities, ensuring that our, as well as ensuring that our roads are safe and reliable. But our vision extends far beyond these basics. We are laying the groundwork for a future where transport infrastructure supports and enhances our way of life, rather than the detracts from it. I'll be shifting our focus for transport investment from a narrow three-year short-term thinking to a more ambitious and aspirational 10-year framework. This will help give certainty and stability to our delivery partners, both in local government and in the construction sectors. Priority projects we've identified include Mill Road, East West Link, North Western Rapid Transit Network, and setting a vision for a four-lane connection between Whangarei and Tauranga to unlock economic growth in the Upper North Island. The heart of our transport policy is the investment in infrastructure that meets today's needs and anticipates those of tomorrow. But to do this, we need to be open to alternative ways of funding and financing infrastructure. The government is looking at a holistic approach to the delivery of infrastructure projects, combining traditional and innovative funding and financing models to ensure sustainable and effective project delivery. We're a government that is open to road pricing, both tolling and time of use charging, we're committed to working uh, with Auckland Council to deliver a time of use charging framework that will improve travel times and network efficiency in our city. Another critical enabler of delivering transport infrastructure is leveraging private sector involvement in project development. This promises to bring about a new era of efficiency and innovation in how we build and maintain our transport networks. The government will establish a national infrastructure agency to connect local and offshore investors to transport projects, including our new roads of national significance and major public transport infrastructure projects. Options for alternative funding and financing arrangements should be considered for all major new infrastructure projects. Infrastructure Minister Christopher Bishop is working hard alongside other ministers to get this key agency set up so we can work closely with our infrastructure delivery agencies, including the New Zealand Transport Agency. Work is also underway to fast-track consents, which have previously been a long-standing issue in delaying the delivery of projects. Fast-tracking consents is a significant step change which will provide certainty and confidence to the sector, enabling it to invest in the capacity and capabilities needed to deliver these infrastructure projects. This government's significant transport plan for Auckland builds on the success of the Northern Busway, with rapid transit busways planned for the northwest, east, and a connection between the airport and Botany. A strong majority of 93% of people who provided feedback to the New Zealand Transport Agency last year expressed their support for a rapid transit along State Highway 16 in the northwest. That is why this government is prioritising this project. A dedicated corridor for rapid transit on State Highway 16 will revolutionise public transport in the northwest providing fast, reliable connections that support the region's growth. This government will be considering funding sources to deliver these major public transport investments, including build, own, operate, transfer schemes and value capture. Delivering this critical infrastructure for Auckland requires new ways of thinking and different delivery models to increase the speed of delivery. Our vision for public transport in Auckland is based on, a, on an integrated approach that will improve choices for Auckland commuters and enable them to travel more efficiently. This approach will incorporate the completion of the City Rail Link, 
started by the previous national government with new world-class public transport bus corridors. Leveraging private sector involvement and utilising alternative funding and financing arrangements will be critical to the delivery of this vision. Alongside this, the concept of an additional harbour crossing has been uh, a long topic of discussion, uh, with the understanding that enhancing connections to Auckland's North Shore is crucial uh, for the city's development. The government recognises the importance of this project for Auckland's future and is committed to supporting additional vehicle lanes to create a more robust harbour connection. The previous government's eye-watering $56 billion plan for a secondary harbour crossing was fraught with impracticalities, uh, leading to more questions than solutions. In contrast, this government's focus on delivery will be on delivery and action. The draft indicative business case for the Wairamata Harbour Connections project developed by NZTA represents the most significant land transport proposals in New Zealand's history. As such, it demands a careful, measured approach to ensure its success. The last government's uh, project uh, was simply unachievable and that is why in my communications with NZTA I've emphasised the importance of narrowing the approach of this project to be about enhancing the northern busway and the overall harbour resilience. However, consistent with our commitment to getting back to the basics, we've decided not to continue work on active mode options or the proposed light rail connections uh, for this project. Auckland Council, through previous local councils, have built a well-utilised northern busway and we intend to build on its success. Our focus remains on delivering practical achievement, achievable projects that benefit Auckland's, Aucklanders and contribute to the, the city's long-term connectivity. The Coalition Government agrees that exploring how central government partners, how central government partners with local government on infrastructure delivery, and that's why the government will be developing national, city and regional deals. There's already strong interest from local, gov local councils, uh, infrastructure developers, uh, business groups, even the Committee for Auckland uh, <laughs> on their potential. Uh, we need to make sure that city and regional deals are fit for purpose and deliver for our communities. They also need to build on the partnerships central government already has with councils, businesses and others. Already we've begun uh, constructive conversations with a range of councils around, uh, around what this may look like. Uh, we're working on putting together a framework on what city and regional uh, deals uh, will look like, which we will uh, announce in, in coming uh, months. We've committed here in Auckland uh, to working with Auckland Council uh, already. Uh, we see the partnership with Auckland as being uh, really important, uh, and that's why we've, we've met on a number of occasions with Mayor uh, Wayne Brown to ensure that we can work through some of the challenges uh, facing our city. We've committed to working with Auckland Council to deliver time of use charging framework to improve travel times and network efficiency in our city and we'll continue to work closely with the Mayor and Auckland Council on an integrated transport plan that delivers key infrastructure for Aucklanders over a long period of time. And we'll be reviewing uh, a number of the uh, fees and charges and other issues that the Mayor uh, raises to ensure that we have a much uh, better partnership uh, on those uh, issues uh, that he has been raising as well. The Government really wants to make sure that there is a mature relationship with Auckland uh, which focuses on not just uh, putting plans together but actually making sure we have the delivery uh, in it that we need. This Government will be focused on delivery. We're, com we're committed to not just planning but executing these plans to bring about real positive change in Auckland and across New Zealand. The challenges we face are significant 
but we are up for it. We're making the tough calls, prioritising where we need to, and putting the well-being of our communities first and focusing on long-term solutions to deliver economic growth and prosperity and productivity. In conclusion, the significance of Auckland to New Zealand's future cannot be overstated. As Minister for Auckland, I am fully committed to addressing the challenges we face in partnership with you, the business community, uh, with Auckland Council uh, and with all Aucklanders. Together we must and we can get Auckland back on track. Thank you very much. And that's been this week's Live from the Hive. Thanks for listening.